Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey, well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm your host, and today our guest is Michael Anthony, author of the book, Think Unbroken. Today, Michael is going to share his own story of trauma and abuse and neglect and how he had to transform that and how he did transform that and how he helps others transform their life by taking concrete actions to change how they are in the world. I really resonated with Michael and really could see his mindset and shared a lot of his thinking about how we can overcome the vortex of our own past trauma to live lives that are meaningful, purposeful, filled with joy and contentment. In this episode, he gives a lot of concrete steps you can take to make those changes. But real quick, before we start, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review in iTunes. That really does help get the podcast a lot of exposure, and I do really appreciate it. Also, don't forget, join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online. Okay, let's go ahead and start this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. Today, my guest is Michael Anthony, and he is going to talk about his book, Think Unbroken, Healing Childhood Trauma, 
getting us out of the vortex of childhood trauma and all of that stuff. So, Michael, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, man. It's a, a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you and the opportunity. So I'm an author, speaker, coach, podcast host, advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. And, you know, ultimately, my mission and my goal is to end generational trauma in my lifetime through giving people education and information. And that's the mission. And that's why I'm here. Awesome. So let's talk about you a little bit first. And you said something there that I think is really important. You said intergenerational trauma. And I think that's so important. So let's, let's just jump in about your story first and, and kind of how this all evolved. And then we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So elevator pitch version of life, right? Of course, for context, when I was four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, she actually cut off my right index finger. And so that kind of gives you baseline, right? She was a victim of abuse. My stepfather was super abusive, the kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather, put me in the hospital multiple times, spent the majority of my childhood homeless and deeply in poverty. I mean, by the time I was 12 years old, I lived with 30, three zero different families. We're always getting bounced around, always getting evicted, water turned off, heat turned off, you know, the whole nine. Uh, I got high for the first time when I was 12, drunk when I was 13. And by the time I was 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. And, you know, luckily, I got put into a last chance program, still did not graduate high school on time. Basically, they handed me a diploma and they kicked me out. They're like, dude, we're just done with you. Good luck. And I found myself trying to figure out, you know, what is the solution for poverty? What is the solution for abuse and homelessness? And dude, my thought was it's got to be money, right? That's the only thing that made sense to right. me. And so I said... I am going to chase money. I want to make $100,000 a year legally. Now, this part was super important because my three childhood best friends as of today, they'd been murdered. I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs. Like I knew where I was going if I didn't change. And so I worked really hard. I ended up getting a job with a Fortune 10 company at 20 years old. No high school diploma, no college education, started making six figures. And my life got so much worse. Because that thing yeah. happens to people when they've never had money and they've never done healing work. And I found myself heading into 26 years old being 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep. And that's when I attempted suicide for the second time. Uh, dude, I was just done. Money was supposed to solve the problem. Right. Here you thought you had the answer. I'm coming from poverty. If I have just have the money, then it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And then finding you're stuck in uh, what you said earlier, you know, that that vortex of trauma, which you which you talk about, you, you got sucked into it. Yeah. And what happened, what I didn't realize in that moment was all of the things that I had been avoiding and pretending didn't impact me were controlling every single aspect of my life. And so I have this moment, I, I wake up the next morning. And I'm laying in bed. Now, keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the CrossFit games. Like, dude, right. if, if that's not rock bottom, <laughs> I, I don't know what is. Right. And, and I went in the bathroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the answer was no excuses, just results. And fast forward, 
11 years later, here I am talking to you. And in this process, there was a tremendous amount of work, every modality of therapy you can imagine, coaching, reading the books, going to the seminars, diving deep into understanding myself. And today I have over 30 trauma-informed certifications. And, and really, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you asked me like how this came about. I never signed up for this. I don't even want this job. To me, I'm like, the number one mission I have in my life is to make myself obsolete. Right, right. No, I under, I totally get that and understand that. What about, you know, what I'm thinking about is you're sitting there in front of that mirror, right? And you're 350 pounds. You just finished watching the CrossFit Games. Did you realize in that moment that this was trauma? You knew something had to change. You said, I got to do something. This is not right. But did you know it was trauma? Did you understand that? Or how did that start to kind of come to be? That's a great question, actually. You know, I, even as a child, one of the greatest things that happened, I know this will sound odd to people, was being homeless. Because I would have to live with all of these different families. Then I would see all these different structures. And so I was exposed to really interesting moments where like, people were nice to their children, and they didn't hurt them, and their children could have an opinion. And I remember kind of like in these moments going, oh, there's something really off about my life, my home, my family. And I always knew because of that, that something wrong was happening. So I would be in these situations and I would look at it. I go, this is not in alignment with how my experience is. Now, fast forward to being 25, 26 years old, trying to figure out what was going on. The one thing that I knew, right. so I actually had been going to therapy since I was seven years old. And I'd never stopped going to therapy, even through the majority of all the chaos of my teens and 20s, because at one point it was court mandated. And at other points, it was like, you know, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I learned how to lie to therapists, right? Tell them what they needed yeah. to hear, because it would keep me safe. And, and so I knew, like, I think instinctively and inherently, we all kind of know you know what I mean? We all kind of know. And there There's was like an acknowledgement in that moment. And that's really the thing that transpired and created change. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is that as you were talking about that, you said here you were really good at lying to therapists. And a question a lot of people might ask is like, why would you lie to a therapist? That sounds that could sound strange. But I think from someone who's not trauma informed or doesn't understand the role of trauma, it makes total sense to to lie to the person who's even trying to help you. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I, I think people fail to understand. When you're a child, like even that space isn't safe because there are moments where therapists have a legal obligation to inform your parents of the things that you're thinking. Right. Right. And that happened to me when I was like probably eight or nine years old. And then I got the shit kicked out of me for something I said in the therapist's office. And that was the moment. It's one of the really important moments of my life where early on I learned to stop trusting people because I had information. I had data to prove trusting people equals dangerous. And right. what happens is as you continue down that pathway, it becomes learned behavior. What you have to understand is we – you know, the human experience is very simply based on historical data built around putting us in a position to be safe for us to survive. And so 
it, it's it's very much the snake and stick analogy. When you're walking in the woods, based on the DNA and hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, your brain immediately can go, is that a snake or is that a stick? And like that, you can decipher it. Well, that's the same thing that happens with the way we create trust as human beings. If that's broken enough times, we learn it is unsafe for us to be vulnerable because when we are and when we do, that means there's a ramification. And so it's very, very common that people who come from traumatic backgrounds and trauma survivors lie to therapists. It's not uncommon at all. And, and one of the most detrimental parts about that, it's not just them we lie to, it's everyone. And I learned very young, as many of us do, unfortunately, to become a master manipulator. Because for me, that meant survival. For me, that meant not getting beat, not being starved that night, not being put in the hospital again. And, and the worst part about that is this is an identity crisis. Like, that's the thing I'm really trying to teach people right. through this process is when you come from a very traumatic background, the opportunity for you to discover who you are is is literally stolen from you. It's taken from you. And so the thing that happens is you learn to turn yourself off because if you don't, that equals danger. And as you're in this process, in this journey of healing, and you get to this place in your life where you're like, I'm trying to figure out who I am, but I constantly feel like I am not only perplexed by it, but in constant conflict with myself, that's totally reasonable because the truth is you've never actually been allowed to be you before. And so, you know, I think the most difficult thing about this whole process are these moments in which you step into recognizing you're being yourself for the first time. That might be 22, 48, 62. I've got clients in their 70s and they've never said no to people before. And it's one of those things where we have to build that in ourselves and it's scary and it's unknown, but it's the most freeing thing when you start to shape and craft your identity. And you start to realize that is not necessarily a threat, but you don't know that at the time. Your body doesn't know that. So you keep getting sucked into the vortex. You're, you're spot on. And the thing about it, too, is like when – okay, think about it from this concept. When you are faced with conflict as an adult – and the way that you face conflict as a child was by either hiding or running or being avoidant or worse, being combative. That's the same way you face conflict as an adult. And so you're in this position where your body is responding. Like, think about this. In the morning, as soon as you wake up, the very first thing that happens from a biological perspective is that your brain is flooded with cortisol. Cortisol is, is literally about survival. It's fight or flight. It's about putting your body into a state to be alert. Now, think about this. If historically growing up, you're always flooded with cortisol, you're always in danger, you're always in fight or flight as a child, well, then uh, immediately, every single day, the moment you wake up, you're being flooded with this. And so your body from an autonomic standpoint, is setting you up to go and be combative or distant or avoidant or whatever from the moment you wake up. And so you have to have this a tremendous amount of awareness around that. 
when you understand the way that the physiology of your human body actually operates and that you're living this biological experience much more than you're living anything else, then you can start to, when you're in these moments of, to your point, your body reacts a certain way, you bring notice and attention to that. And what happens is over a long enough period of time, you actually learn how to control your response to the stimulus in the world. Right. Over that time, you start to change how your brain responds to some of the very like basic things of being human, just interacting. Yeah. And it's scary at first because you've never been able to say yes or say no or operate in a scope in which you felt like you were honoring who you are. One of the things I try to explain to my clients and people all the time, really anybody who will listen is I believe this truly. The key to life is to do what you want to do and not do what you don't want to do. Because that to me is like the the crux of not only ownership, but of self. Because when you've spent so much of your life sacrificing who you are for safety, which is reasonable, that look, man, that serves you. When you're a child, yeah. that serves you. Like it it just does and it sucks and it's unfair. But as an adult, like, here's what I always think about. There's a moment, I think for me, one of the really critical moments in this healing journey was probably about eight years ago where my therapist, and he said it in passing, but it hit me so incredibly hard that it really kind of changed my life forever. He goes, you're not a child anymore. And I was like, damn, you're right. Because there's a moment in which and this is, I think, probably the more difficult part of the conversation. There's a moment in which you have to acknowledge that you are not culpable for the things that happened in your past, but you are responsible for everything that's next. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's hard. But you, you know, like you said, you don't know, you don't know it until you know it. I don't know how to explain that. It's like you have to see it. You have to, like you said earlier, sit in front of that mirror and see this thing and then pursue this change in in some way to start to, as what you're doing and maybe this podcast is doing, is starting to just understand it is, is a first step in in changing it to kind of get like, as you said several times, these responses make sense. When you have a history of childhood trauma and you have to unlearn them. You do. And I think also you have to reframe them. But in order to do that, you have to bring awareness to it. You know, I, I think one of the, the most difficult things that I had to do and am always doing and probably will always do is put real rational meaning to my behavioral patterns. And looking at why I do the things that I do in a very naked and biased way. And what I mean by that is just getting to this place of just brutal fucking honesty with myself, right? right. No sugarcoating, no lying. That mirror, man, you cannot lie to that thing. You know, I, I look at my life and the hardest choices and decisions that I've ever made are the reasons that I'm here with you today. And we have to be willing to face those hard decisions. You have to decide. And like people say this all the time, but it's true. Like indecision is a decision. You have to get off the fence about your life. Then you have to put yourself in this position to operate in a way that feels true for you. 
And that could be anything mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, from your career to your hobbies, to the way you hang out with your friends. Do you drink? Do you not drink? Like whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, right? It's about honoring your truth and, and getting so introspective about who you are that when other people, I'll tell you this, and, and this is not to come off in hubris in any capacity, me being confident in who I am terrifies people. And, and I see it all the time. And the reason why is because when you have a reflection of being in front of a person who is willing to own themselves, it often shows your inadequacies. And that's not a bad thing. Look, I believe that that is one of the greatest things that can happen in your life. You know, I remember I'm super fortunate, man. I have some of the greatest mentors on planet earth who are in my life. And when I look at them, so if I rewind, If I go back to about, call it eight years ago, somewhere in that window, this is when the, the, like the ball really started rolling. Like podcasts weren't really a thing yet. You could find a few episodes and stuff like that. Right. Right. And it was listening to these entrepreneurial podcasts. And I started to pick up on something really fascinating. And, and it was just from the consumption of the conversations and what it was was that those people, they all had one thing in common. They all owned who they were unapologetically. And for the entirety of my life, the only thing that I had done was pretend to be someone else so that you liked me. And that is why people are terrified of confidence because you have to be willing to stand there in the middle of all the people who are trying to tell you who you should be and say, no, this is who I am. And to be able to hold that. And absolutely, if you have a vortex of trauma, that can become terrifying because you've learned that that to be yourself is not a safe place. To be yourself is abandonment. To be yourself is to be punished, ridiculed, whatever. And to be able to do that and stand there, yeah, it takes courage and strength and understanding and a passion to do that. But I I totally get that. And I'll add to that, it also takes the willingness to fail because you're doing something for the first time. You know, I've done so many things in my life that I thought were who I was or am, and I'd be in it and I'd be like, actually, no, this doesn't feel true at all. This isn't right. This doesn't make sense. And so you learn from that and it becomes data. See, people are so scared of ridicule, of shame, of guilt. Now, we understand from a biological and evolutionary standpoint, that makes sense because if you're ostracized from the community, you're probably not going to survive. And then you recognize that we're more connected right now than we ever have been in history. And the truth is, whatever it is that you believe you are and that thing that you want to step into and discover for yourself, there are other people who are right there with you. They're like, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a 0% chance that I would be where I'm at in my life right now without the internet. Like, there's no question about that. And, and like, you're not alone in this. So be willing, be willing to step into the unknown. Here's the biggest thing that I, that keeps me awake at night. My fear, people ask me all the time, they go, what is your fear? The number one thing I'm terrified of is dying with regret is being on my deathbed 
and then going, oh, shit, I wish I would have done that thing. And then you pass into whatever is next. And I'm sitting in a room and suddenly a film projector comes on. And it's me living this life, this film, this glorious thing that I never did. And that terrifies me. And so I'm willing to fail. Dude, I failed publicly. I failed personally. I failed everywhere along the spectrum. I've had big initiatives crash and burn. I've had relationships end. I've had friendships not go the right way. I've, I've let myself down. Like that is a part of it, right? And if you're willing to do that, what you're going to gain is knowledge. You're going to gain information. And when you stop tying your identity to the end goal of everything that you're trying to do in your life, but instead just into the day-to-day -day moments and the way that you operate with the effort and energy that you put in, that failure becomes less burdensome and you just simply acknowledge that you're learning. Like the greatest right. thing one of my mentors, Tom Bilyeu, has ever taught me is to adapt the mindset of being the learner. Because when you recognize that if you are willing to be on a constant, a constant train of learning, you stop being so tied into the reality that other people are judging you. Because guess what, man? They're judging you anyway. And that has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about this part that I see is that sometimes when we talk about this, I think people can see this as like, you just turn this switch over and now you're this way. And my experience has been that it has been a process of, like you said, learning and a process of practice, like continuing to kind of fall back a little bit and then practice it again, fall back a little bit, practice it again to take that time that it doesn't necessarily all the time just happen with a quick decision. It's sometimes an effort into being different. I don't know if, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. It's fully effort driven. You've got to show up for your own life. And, and I think that you have to understand is you have to deploy a tremendous amount of patience. Think about this, man. I've been on this journey for 11 years. We just met. You know what I'm saying? Like right. there's, there's so much. And life is very long. Like I think people have it so misconstrued where they're like, life is so short. I might as well just blah, blah, blah. No, whatever. Life is long until you die. And long could be a day. Think about how much time is in a day. Then you keep waiting for tomorrow. Look, the, the, the reality is like the longer you wait to be you, the more painful it's going to be to tear the Band-Aid off. And, right. and I think one of the greatest things that you can do in that is just recognize you're going to have to – how do I want to phrase this? I want to put this in a really practical way. You're going to have to acknowledge that you don't know what you're doing because you've never done it before. So stop holding yourself up on this fucking pedestal in a way that feels impractical because you're seeking perfection and it ain't coming. Right, right. Just go and do it. So what? Your fall. It'll be all right. You'll be okay. You will be okay. The Dude, look, the worst case scenario is death. Yeah. That's the That's worst right. case. Outside of that, that means you have an opportunity. And look, people will be like, well, this is rah-rah and motivational, blah-blah. My life is full of struggles and harshness and hardship. Everyone's is. to be like, But there's also beauty in it. 
and there's grace in it and there's joy and love and hope in it. And when you change your energy around the way that you operate in the world by the connection and the attachment and the anchor that you put to the activities that you have in your day-to-day life, everything can be different. If you walk around the world and you blame and you play the victim and you say, woe is me, and you keep your head down and your shoulders slumped and you're bummed out about life, that's going to be reflective of your experience. But if you have energy and happiness and joy and hope and you just say, I'm going to go do my best, I'm excited about the opportunity that I can be different, not even better because I don't know what that means, but I can be different from where I am today and you move with that kind of intuition and passion and influence within yourself and you just go, I'm going to be excited about the reality that I control my life your life will be very different because like people talk about mindset all the time, right? They're always like mindset, mindset, mindset. Nobody ever tells you what it means. So I'm going to tell you what mindset actually is. Okay. And when you understand this, your life will be different forever, but you have to listen to this. Mindset is this. What you think becomes what you speak. What you speak become your actions and your actions become your reality. And the truth is, some of you right now are saying things to yourself that if you said to me, I'd punch you in the face and you're expecting yourself to be successful. The truth is you're implanting the thought of what is next in your life in the way that you talk to yourself. And that's always first. And the hardest thing, like no joke, I'm, 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 this is not this thing that I'm saying because it sounds good. I'm saying it because it's true. I used to be so incredibly mean to myself. It was unbelievable the things I would say. And I would look at my life and I go, this is terrible. This is everyone else's fault. My mom's fault. My parents' fault. The community's fault. My teacher's fault. Obama's fault. It's everybody's fault. And then I started changing the way I talk to myself. What if I took control over my life? What if I stopped blaming people? What if I believed in myself? What if I showed up in the moments that were difficult and didn't run? What if I pushed myself harder than I've ever pushed myself? Not for the sake of pushing myself, but for the sake of discovering what I'm capable of. Where would my life go? And that all started with me giving myself permission. And that's where this whole process begins. And what I love about this is that it's concrete. Like you can do this. It's not magical. It's not, it's not, doesn't come out of the ether. It's like you can do it and it's, and it's concrete. Something that also struck me that you, you said as you were talking was that uh, there's beauty in this tragedy Right. But being able to see that, I mean, I think that takes time. I know in my own life, uh, with some of the tragedies that I've had, that um, it's taken me a while to be able to have that response, to see the the learning in it, the the growth in it, even though it's hard and 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 in some ways traumatic and unfair, whatever. It's to be able to have that mind shift. And I I wonder if you can talk about that, because I think that's hard for people to understand if they haven't kind of gone through that to that space to be able to see it as profound, even the pain as profound. Yeah, 
Look, I mean, I think that only comes from awareness of the energy that you're putting to things. Because I, I mean, there was nothing good about my childhood. I have no, I don't have any good memories about my childhood until I put myself in this position of seeking them, of looking for right. the little tiny moments of going, yeah, all those bad things happen, but I remember that and I remember that and I remember that, right? And, and I can be grateful for those, but also changing your identity around the bad things that happen because it's really easy to just sit in it and go, I'm a victim. Everything's yeah. terrible because of that. And I know that, like, look, I I want to make this feel real for people. My mother cut my finger off. I got molested. I had the shit kicked out of me so many times and hospitalized. I was homeless. I didn't graduate high school. I had a learning disability. My three best friends have been murdered. I have family in prison for life. Why am I so happy that my life is fucking amazing right now? I love, dude, I love my life. Why? How do you get there? It's not because I've like turned off reality. It's because instead I've looked for the truth. I wouldn't be the person I am without those experiences. I wouldn't have the joy and love and compassion and empathy and hope and gratitude that I have with out those experiences. In all darkness, there is still light. I heard Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters say something one time, and it really transformed my life. He goes, I'm happy about the happy things, and I'm sad about the sad things. And that's the truth of life. You're going to have both. So you can decide to only be in the loop of the negative. And that's easy. It's so much easier to be in that. Or you can decide to only be in the loop of the happiness. That's not sustainable and you're lying to yourself. But can you find balance in it? Can you just sit in it and go, I'm having a human experience. This is my reality. This is what I've been through. And because of all of these things, good, bad, or in the middle, I am the sum total of all of my experiences leading to this moment, which means that everything that has ever happened to me impacts me. But the way I apply meaning to those things determines how I operate in the world. You know, you see, go look up TED Talks from rape survivors. Go look up conversations from people who have been paralyzed. Go look up like all of these people who have had these traumatic experiences like you and I have. And look how they have found beauty in the world because it's a choice. It's a choice to, I'm not saying happiness is a choice. Like I can sit here and make myself happy to an extent you can from a biological perspective. But the reality about it is if you look for the joy, you will find it. And if you look for the pain, it'll be there too. So this is a, a mindset change. So let's talk about think unbroken and where you came to that, that idea and that title of think unbroken, because I think that's, I think that's important to what you're saying. Growing up, I heard people all the time call me broken. When I was a little kid, when I was a teenager in my 20s, and I was in this situation with someone who after an argument, and look, I don't yell, I don't scream. That's not how I operate. It's very against my moral character. And they were yelling at me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to leave. 
We'll, we'll talk later. I'm, I'm not going to be in this with you. Having boundaries, standing up for myself. They sent me this very long text message. And they were like, you're broken. All this stuff you're doing is not real, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I get it. Look, you haven't done your work. Fine. I'm not going to get into this with you. Well, I'm laying in bed that night. I don't know. That's like five years ago, almost six years ago, somewhere like that. And I'm like, you know, people have been calling me broken my whole life. But that's not me. That's not who I am. That's not how I think. And it was just this really white bulb moment that happened at like 3 a.m. that has led me to where I am today. Because the truth is, a lot of people call us broken. A lot of people look at, you know, you had pain or suffering. You're different. You stand outside. You're bro- You're something wrong with you. But that's not true. It's only true if you decide to let it be true. And for a long time, I'd let it be true. And and like life's not only mindset. Like there's a tremendous amount of action. Like I've given you actionable things in this conversation because you're going to need those to be able to propel and project yourself into what's next. And, and I think if you can just understand that you're having this experience that is so tied in to the emotions that you have and the feelings that you have and the, your body's physiological response – I mean, you can create massive change in your life. Like some of the stuff my clients have done, like I'm like, damn, that's crazy to me that you did that because you just followed this. I just laid it out and you followed it. And like, that's the truth of life. You know, it's right here waiting for you, but you're going to have to act. You cannot mindset yourself into anything. I promise you that. You're not going to sit there and mindset yourself into the life you want to have. You're going to have to make decisions. Yep. Michael, I love your passion. It is it is so exciting. I resonate on so many levels with you. It's just exciting to hear it because I think when you experience that, you just want to share it with others because you see the way out of the vortex. You know the way out of the vortex and you're like you can do it too like you can do this take action do it there are things that are concrete there's no it's not magical go for it and i just love i love your passion so we're we're kind of running up on our time so one thing i love to ask any guest when we're we're wrapping up is if you could say one thing to anyone out there who may be struggling, maybe feeling stuck, maybe in that vortex of trauma or, or whatever, what would you want to say? What would be the one thing you'd want to tell them? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say this to anyone listening, that thing in your head that is keeping you awake at night, that you're on the fence about every single day, that makes you sleepless and struggle and hurt and suffer and you know you need to do it and you don't, that thing is the difference between success and failure in your life. So make a decision. Oh, thank you, Michael, so much. Thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere on social media at Michael Unbroken. And you can listen to the Think Unbroken podcast. It's Think Unbroken podcast on iTunes or thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Thank you so much for coming on to The Addicted Mind. My pleasure, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate you greatly. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Addicted Mind podcast. 
As usual, all the links will be at theaddictedmind.com under the show notes. You can check it out there if you want to find out more about Michael and his work. Just go to theaddictedmind.com. If you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please share it with a friend or write a review. I really do appreciate that. And think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation online. All right, everyone, have a wonderful, meaningful day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.